Are you here? Huh? Here? You know, here, on the Paul Leslie Hour. You see, we divide all people into two groups, the here and the not here. If you're here, welcome to the episode. We've got an on-camera interview with a bonafide legend in the world of song. Singer, songwriter, performing and recording artist Dickie Lee sits down to talk with your host, Paul Leslie. This interview went down in Dickie's Tennessee home. Now, Dickie Lee is an inductee of the Nashville Songwriters Hall of Fame. He's written some great songs, and everybody knows She Thinks I Still Care. Oh, yes. The number one hit for George Jones and recorded by hundreds of other artists. As a recording artist himself, Dickie Lee has nearly 30 songs in the charts. Hey, speaking of charts, you're invited to be number one with a bullet when you subscribe to the Paul Leslie YouTube channel. Hey, we think we're on our way to 3,000 YouTube subscribers. Wow, if you were at the top of that list, who would you be? Couldn't do it without you, that's for sure. Oh, oh yes, thank you to the supremely talented Amanda Colleen Williams. So who's ready to hear from Dickie Lee now? Roll it. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I'm here in the home of Mr. Dickie Lee. We're in Franklin, Tennessee. Thank you so much for inviting me over to have this talk. I really appreciate it. Nice to meet you. Good to have you, Paul. It's an honor. So Tennessee is, is your home state. All the way. Born in Memphis. In Memphis. Yep. Can you kind of paint a picture with words? What was your, your early days like? I was a farm boy. Grew up on a small farm. Yeah. Uh, chopped cotton, picked cotton, plowed behind a mule. Finally graduated to a tractor. And I could hardly wait to get out of there. And now I look back and it doesn't seem so bad. <laughs> <laughs> Would you say there was a lot of music around the house growing up? Yeah, you know, my... Uh, my mom and dad were big record fans, you know, the old big band era, you know, and, uh, yeah, that was, that was basically it. They played a lot of records. Uh, I had two siblings, a brother and a sister. Neither one of them had any real interest in music. My mother played piano and, uh, I didn't, I, I guess I really got into music when I was probably about 13, mm -hmm. 13, 14 years old. Mm -hmm. All right. Has there been anything that has surprised you about your life? Uh, well, you know, probably what I'm doing today. Yeah. Uh, you know, back then I, I never thought, I never thought that I would, uh, really make it in this industry. And I'm certainly not a superstar, but, you know, I've been, I've loved it and I've made a good living out of it. And, uh, I just, I think it was, you know, when I was a kid, I, I had a dream and I, I, I think there's something magic about it. I could, I could see myself. wasn't sure it would happen. I don't guess because it seemed impossible at the time. But I could, I could see, uh, I could see myself. You know, like singing, having hit songs, like daydreams. You know, mm -hmm. and I just stayed at it. And uh, it was, it took a while. You know, yeah. had a lot of turn downs. Of course, I was, I was, I was so young anyway. Some of my turn downs, I think, be hard to make it when you're trying to make it 
13, 14, and 15 years old, but uh, I just, I had a mission. Hmm. Uh, I just really, just a dream. I just really wanted to see if I could fulfill it. Hmm. Would you say that your ability to write songs, would is that something that you think is innate, or is it something you had to, like a craft you had to work at? To well, I definitely think it's a craft. It's a craft. Uh, yeah, and, you know, I wrote... Uh, but, you know, like as far as writing, I just started trying to write songs naturally when I was about 13 or 14 years old and, you know, wrote some pretty bad ones. Nobody liked them but my mother. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, yeah, I just, it was a natural thing. I, I bought my first guitar uh, when I was, I keep saying 13, but that's when it all pretty much started and mm. got my first guitar in a pawn shop and, uh, man, it was hard because the the strings are about that far off the fretboard. You know, I think it cost me eight bucks. Mm. And uh, and I'm left-handed. And, you know, you didn't, you really didn't see any left-handed guitars, you know, back that during that time. So I uh, took it home, changed the strings around, and uh, show you how dumb I was when I got home. I, I guess that's the first time I turned around and had a big split in the back of it. Uh, but anyway, you know, I, I played it for a while, and finally... Uh, about something a little better, but you know, just it was almost like start off as a hobby, yeah. you know. And and I guess you know what really inspired me. This is funny. There was a a guy went to my high school. Uh, remember his name? His name was David Ransom. I have no idea what happened to him, but he was a typical high school hero. You know, he uh, he's big uh, athlete. He uh, and he would play a guitar. On Friday sometime, we'd have these high school assemblies and he'd play guitars. And I thought, man, that's what I want to do. That's, hmm. I want to, I want to, I want to be popular like he is. So, you know, that, that got me into athletics and, uh, got me into music. Hmm. So I kind of, I blame him for it. <laughs> what about the first time you went into a recording studio? Can you tell us about that experience? Oh man, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think the first time. I'm not even sure I can remember the first time I went there, but I know when uh, when I had made my first record uh, was a radio studio, and there was a I don't know if you're familiar with them or not. There was a disc jockey out of Memphis, uh, Dewey Phillips, had a show called Red Hot and Blue, six nights a week from nine to twelve, and he was boy he was hot with the teenagers, and uh, his he his radio uh, the station was downtown. It was in a hotel downtown. And I went down there one night and waited for him to get off the air and ask him if he would listen to a couple of songs, you know, and he did, huh. <laughs> you know, so I never thought that he might not, but, uh, until later, you know, but he listened to a couple of songs I'd written and he said, those are pretty good. He said, have you got a band? And I said, no, sir, I don't. He said, I'll tell you what, he said, if you'll, if you'll put a band together and, uh, rehearse these songs, I'll listen to him again, you know, so I did, you know, much to his surprise. I don't know, but I called him later on. I got, I had, I had, uh, I was in, in high school and just started, just getting ready to start college. And, uh, he, uh, we got a group of kids, guys together, little rhythm band. And, uh, we went down to the radio studios and, and I played them for him and, he said, that's pretty good. So we actually recorded them right then, you mm. know, and, uh, you know, just a basic rhythm section, just bass, bass, drums and guitar, 
that, huh. was, that was it. Rhythm guitar, uh, bass, lead guitar, and drums. And uh, he got him on this little fly-by-night label and uh, got to number two in Memphis. You know, it was just a little territorial hit, but it came out the same time Elvis is all shook up, came out, mm. and uh, my record followed his up the charts. I was one slot behind him all the way to number two. <laughs> I never got to number one because of Elvis. But uh, with songs called, you, nobody had ever heard of them really, called Dream Boy and Stay True Baby. And they listed both sides, you know, on, on, on the record charts. Right. But uh, anyway, that's that was that was my first record, my first recording experience in WHBQ Radio. Could you put a number on it? How many songs you've written throughout your life? Oh, I don't. You know, I've I've been asked that question so many times. I ought to find out. But probably a few hundred. Few hundred. I, I wouldn't say in the thousands. I'd say a few yeah. hundred. Uh, but I've, you know, uh, it's like I don't I don't write every day. But right. I feel like I've written a bunch of songs, and some sometimes I'll go through my old catalogs and I'll come up on a song I don't even remember. Hmm. Interesting. Is there a song of yours that you would say you're the most proud of? Mm, wow, I don't know. I get I have a sentimental favorite that she thinks I still care. Yeah. Because it's uh, it was actually it was my first hit record as a songwriter and it's been my most successful it's been they tell me it's been recorded by probably a thousand artists yeah. today and uh and everybody everybody i know almost has done it yeah you know so uh that, that's got to be my sentimental favorite but i have another song it's my as far as recording it's my favorite recording and that's in a different light by Doug Stone. Right. I just love that record. You know, I thought it was, uh, Doug Johnson produced it and I thought it was just a great production. Mm. And, uh, and then I have another kind of a sentimental favorite that I put it on a few B sides. Uh, nobody ever knew it, but I, I wrote it about my oldest daughter who's, she's 55 now and I wrote it about her when she was about six years old. It's called Dana, D-A-N-N-A. Mm. And, uh, that was kind of a father daughter thing. And, I guess those three are favorites of mine. Hmm. Well, on the note of she thinks I still care, I have seen that number. A thousand different singers <laughs> have done it, you know, and there's even been instrumental versions of it and everything. Yeah. Uh, it's just, I mean, let's name a few. There's, of course, what? the famous George Jones version. First one. The first one, yeah. And then... Jerry Lee Lewis did it, didn't he? Jerry Lee did it. Yeah. Uh, Elvis Presley. Elvis. Right there. I mean, already, uh, but go on, name a few more. I don't, well, you know, James Taylor, yeah. Merle Haggard, uh, Webb Pierce. Uh, I don't know. I could go on. Uh, like, yeah, so like, many. Uh, yeah. What do you think it is about that song? It's like one of these songs that just, I guess, so many people have identified with it, but why? I think I think mainly is a simplicity. Yeah, it's just a just a simple love song, and I think that you know a lot of people go through that feeling. Yeah, you know, like it's kind of a pride thing, you know, when you when you get dumped on. Right. Uh, but uh, I, rem I remember Chet Chet Atkins told me one time he thought it was one of the greatest country songs ever written. Which yeah, I mean that's coming from him. That's really something, and it's yeah. like you know it. it it, it didn't take a, a great mind to write that song because I remember Jack Clement. I'm sure you're aware of Jack Clement, but right. he's he's the guy that really 
Uh, I met him at Sun Records, and he really was my mentor. And I, I remember when I first really got going, and I said, Jack, do you think I could ever really write a big hit song? And he said, sure, you don't have to be that smart to write a big hit song. <laughs> so I said, great, I qualify, you know, but... But anyway, uh, yeah, that was just, you know, that was, that was the first one. And it's been trying to get a follow up to that one ever since, you know. Mm-hmm. George's record came out in 63, 60, 70, 80, 90, what about 60, 70 years ago. Mm-hmm. It's kind of scary. It's still such a. And, and still getting recorded, you know, yeah. it's just, a, it's amazing. A standard. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, how how important is emotion to writing a song? To me, it's everything, uh, and it's and and that goes into the to how you construct a song. And to me, like uh, lyrics, you know, you got to have great lyrics. I think, but I think what makes what makes a lyric sound even greater is the melody. Hmm. I think I think you got to have a really neat melody. You can say you can say I love you a lot of different ways, but a lot of the melodies have to do with how strong it comes across. Mm. And that was uh, melodies have always been a really big thing to me because I think that's what really creates the emotion uh, for mm. the lyric. Interesting. I also wanted to ask about this song. I have always thought that this was a really good song, Let's Fall to Pieces Together, which was recorded by the great George Strait. Yeah. Well, you know, funny you bring that up because uh, just talking about the music, uh, I wrote that with uh, Tommy Rocco and uh, Johnny Russell. And I remember we were, the three of us, we wrote for the same company. We were writing for Welt Music at the time, and we were sitting in uh, my office one day trying to come up with a, with, with a, with something. And, and Russell said, let's write something really country. Hmm. And I don't know. And I just said, pardon me, you left your tears on the jukebox. And, and we just went from there. But after we finished that song, uh, I didn't. I wasn't that excited about it, hmm. but uh, Ray Baker produced it on uh, George Strait at the time, uh, and and like Ray Baker made a chord change in that song, and uh, for musicians they'll know what I'm talking about. But in the course, uh, we changed one chord, uh, and it was like, uh, let's see, let's see, pardon me. Well, let's see. I never can think of my melodies. I have to think of them all the way through. But it was, it was in the bridge, and he made this one chord change. Didn't change the melody, just changed the chord. And I thought, wow. When he did that, I said, that's the first time to me it sounded like a hit song. <laughs> but I, I credit Ray Baker for that. <laughs> I mean, it was just a, it was a, he used instead of a, uh, let's see, let's see, let's. Instead of using a four chord, he used a flatted seventh, <laughs> and was uh, right on the end of the course. So that's as good as I can explain it. <laughs> it it's a. Uh, it's been so many different recording artists who have done your stuff, and you know, you were inducted into the Nashville Songwriters Hall of Fame, the Country Music Hall of Fame. Would you say that there's been a biggest honor in your life? 
I would say, I would say uh, the Nashville Songwriters Hall of Fame is probably the biggest honor. You know, and I always said I'd, I never felt like I deserved it, but I'd take it. Uh, so, because uh, it just, so many of your peers in there that have written such great songs. And I think, wow, man, I don't know how I got into this company, into this elite group, but it's pretty neat. Well, speaking of peers, the Nashville Songwriters Hall of Fame has everyone in there from people like Bob Dylan, Willie Nelson, you know, I mean, goodness, Loretta Lynn could go on. Yeah. But who are the songwriters that you admire the most? Well, one of, one of the songwriters I admire the most is one of a close friend of mine, Bob McDill. Yeah. Uh, and boy, he's written some great songs and we've, uh, we've co-written some good songs together. And I'm, you know, like I'm, one reason I'm in the Hall of Fame is because of some of the co-writers I wrote with, I think, you know, I've had some, some great co-writers, Waylon Hofield, Bob McDill, uh, Johnny Russell, uh, you know, Carrie Chater, just goes on and on. But uh, it was, it's just, and I, you know, I have fun writing with others and I have fun writing by myself. Hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's just, uh, just happy to, I'm just happy to be here and I'm happy to have had the, the writers that I've been associated with. Hmm. And like I say, Bob McDill, uh, we're, we're close friends, and sometimes I have to step back to realize how good he really is. Yeah. You know, I mean, he wrote some. I would say he's one of the top writers that ever hit Nashville. How is he doing? I got to interview him a few years back. He's doing great. Yeah. He's in good health, you know, and uh, he's writing short stories. Yeah. Like for he's a he's a, a hunter. Uh and he he's, he writes a lot of short stories for sports magazines, you know. But uh, really, some really good short, some really good short stories, you know. He's just a good writer. Hmm. Has there been another songwriter that you've worked with that you would say has taught you the most about songwriting? Uh, I'd say probably Jack Clement, and Bob Bob McDill, and yeah. uh, I learned a lot from Jack. Because he's, he's a, I met Jack, you know, I, I told you, you know, I had this first record, Dream Boy and Stay True Baby on this little record. And then from there, I went to Sun Records. That's where I met Jack Clement. He was the engineer at Sun. And we got to be really good friends. And I, our friendship, it turned out to last, you know, till he died a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And he was, he was a real mentor of mine. And uh, he just, uh, I just absorbed a lot of his songwriting knowledge. A huge name in in the history of of music in oh. Nashville. Yeah. yeah, and boy, he's written some great songs. Absolutely. Oh. Yeah. Has there yeah. been a version of one of your songs that someone has done that has surprised you in terms of how they interpreted it? Oh wow. Well, like I say, I, I mentioned before, the "In a Different Light" is one of them. Uh, but well, I've heard I've heard so many. Uh, there have been so many artists that have recorded uh, a few of my songs that uh, just trying to pinpoint one. You know, I got to, I have to think a while. But uh, I, I remember uh, 
Oh, gosh. There have been so many great records on She Thinks I Still Care. Yeah. Ann Murray had the first female version of it. Right. Thought that was a great record. Uh, John Fogarty uh, with Creedence Clearwater. Yeah. You know, boy, he had he had a record I loved. And uh, oh, so, so many. Johnny, uh, Ronnie Millsap had a really cool version of it. And Elvis's version, he recorded it twice. And yeah. uh, he kind of did a little rocked up version of it. Uh, one cut and, and the other one was a straight ballad, but, uh, I really, that song, his version really grew on me. I thought, wow, he sang yeah. the heck out of that song. So, but yeah, there, I'll, you know, after our interview's over, I'll think of 10 or 20 more. <laughs> Were you around Elvis Presley much? A little bit. A little yeah. bit? Yeah. I was, uh, well, I was talking about when I had that first record, when he had all shook up and I had mine, uh, this jockey I was telling you about, Dewey Phillips, and another disc jockey, Wink Martindale, who was in Memphis at the time, they they uh, put on a show uh, out at this this nice spot in Memphis called Rainbow Terrace Room, and my band and me, you know, we filled the place up. And uh, when I was leaving, a guy came up to me and said, Elvis wants to meet you. And I said, what are you talking about? And he was he was parked outside on the curb, and he took me over and... and uh, but wow, you know, so he said, I really like your record. And, uh, I uh, thought he should, I wish he'd come in, maybe sing a couple of songs. But anyway, uh, you know, we, he introduced himself and, and we got to know each other a little bit. He invited me out to his house and I took advantage of that. I went out there a few times. I would I always joked. I'd, I'd take a date out there. They always wanted to go out there with me, but they never wanted to leave with me. <laughs> <laughs> but he was a, he was really a good guy. And he was really, uh, really nice to me. Hmm. Well, it, they can't exactly see on from this shot of the camera, but there's all these guitars over here. And I'm, I'm curious, what gets you inspired to start writing, to pick up the paper and pen and, and st or a guitar and begin crafting a song? Well, I'll tell you, uh, probably... First thing that gets me inspired is just, uh, well, when I first started, I was just thinking about different girls and different experiences and all. But you know, it's funny talking about these guitars. I'll, I'll, let me, let me preface this a little bit. Uh, about three or four years ago, I was, uh, I had some really nice guitars, but I, I just kind of got bored with them, you know? And, uh, uh, so I, I asked a friend of mine who had a music store, uh, here's Joe Chambers. Uh, call, he, in fact, he started the, uh, Musicians Hall of Fame here in Nashville. Right. And I said, Joe, I said, I, I want a guitar that, uh, I, you know, I gave him an idea of what I was looking for. And he said, well, let me, let me think about it. So, cause I figured he'd find something in his store that I might like. And you, you buy, and you know, it's a little harder looking for a left-handed guitar cause there are not quite as many of them around. But anyway, he, he called me back and said, I'm going to have this guy call you. This guy called me. His name was uh, David Vincent. Uh, he lives here today. Uh, he was a Takamini representative. So I never played a Takamini guitar. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'd seen him. I'd never, never seen a left-handed one. But uh, he said, Joe told me what you were kind of looking for. He said, I think I, maybe I could help you. So anyway, uh, I met him at his office probably a few weeks later. And he had a couple of left-handed Takaminis down there. And... Uh, I played them, and man, I loved them. I just, I just really loved them. And one thing that's they're they're so 
uh, it makes doing concerts so easy because I've got all the electronics built in, you know, and I play electric acoustic. Uh, when I first started rock and roll, I, I, I play a Telecaster most of the time, but uh, when I got these Takaminis, it just got me interested in writing again. Mm-hmm. You know, I just really wanted to do something with them. And I'll give you an example. And what I've been doing lately, most of my shows, I, I still do, I do some oldies rock and roll shows. I'll do them with bands. But, uh, you know, I've done a bunch of uh, writers in the round here in Nashville over the right. years. And I remember this was just before COVID. Uh, I had three shows in Michigan. I played a lot of shows with this promoter up in Michigan. And uh, he said, uh, and I'd just gotten these Takaminis, you know, and uh, we were talking about it. And I said, I said, let me let me throw an idea at you. He said, what's that? I said, well, and I'd always had, he'd always brought in bands, you know, and big sound and all that stuff when I do these shows up there. I said, how about if I come up there, he he just booked three shows for me. They were about they were about three months off. Hmm. Uh, he just he just booked them. And he, I said, how about I come up there, just me and my guitar, hmm. and I'll sit on a stool, I'll 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 sing my hits, and then I'll sing hits that I wrote for other people, and just talk about the songs to people. And I said. Uh, you won't have to pay for a band. You won't have to pay for their rooms, their food, their motel. You won't have to pay to bring in a big uh, sound system. You just pay me what you pay me. And I think that kind of turned him on a little bit, you know, because he thought, I can save some money doing this. So right. He said, well, let's let's give it a try. <laughs> and I thought, all right. So after I hung up, I thought, what in the heck have I done? Because I'd never done anything like that before except – you know, play for small audiences in these right. little intimate clubs around Nashville, you know. So I, I'll tell you what I did. I started my, I guess the show was about first show. Uh, and there were, there were like three shows, like three nights in a row. And uh, I started practicing. I guess the shows were about two months off. I practiced. I did my whole show every day, maybe five days a week for, oh, gosh, almost a couple of months. I'd, I'd never, I'd never worked that hard. And I'll tell you something, you know what I found out, Paul, I had, I had this theory, you know, I proved it. Practice makes you better. Mm. <laughs> so I thought, wow, it really does, you know? So, uh, and the first show I was really nervous because, you know, like it probably had maybe seven or 800 people, mm. it was just me. And, and, uh, usually I'd play for maybe a hundred, you know? And, uh, I was real nervous, but it came off great. And I'm, and people love to hear stories about your songs, you know. Hmm. And, uh, so I did that. And, and ever since then, that's the way I prefer to perform. You know, if, yeah. if I don't always do that. I use bands a lot, but you know, it's, it's, it's low key. It's intimate. You kind of set your own pace and you, you have this back and forth thing with the audience, you hmm. know, and, uh, and I just got where I really loved it. And you can really, you can really talk about your songs and, and, and your audiences. They love to hear these stories about songs, how they were written, some of the reasons they were written. Uh, and so uh, I love to do that. So I've, I've been, I've been doing it a lot since then. That was about, oh gosh, that was about five years ago, I guess. So, uh, that's, that's the way I prefer to play. And I, I mean, I don't turn down any good rock and roll shows. Uh, Great. 
Uh, and usually those, I'll do them with uh, some of the oldie shows. Uh, there'll be two or three other performers on there with, and I always enjoy being with some of those guys that I've known forever. But uh, I really, it, 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 it showed me a whole new form of performing when I started doing this. And it's really, I think it's brought the best out in me. And it, it's certainly, I'm certainly not a session musician, right. but at least I know how to play my own stuff. And, and the more you play, uh, and the more you can play them, it, it makes it more fun to play because you enjoy doing it rather than thinking, Oh boy, I hope I don't mess up this song, you know? Right. So anyway, that's, that's kind of where I am today. So is there any interest on your part in recording something soon or? Uh, we just, I uh, just did a simple little recording that we've released digitally. Uh, I'll play it for you. Uh, it's, it's, it's only been out about, oh gosh, came out just right around Christmas. In fact, it's kind of a, a Christmas type song. Yeah. But, uh, I don't know if anything big will happen to it. It's just, we just did it almost as a fun thing. Right. Uh, but, uh, it's called the Christmas ornament. Oh, and that, okay. does, that does sound like a Christmas song, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> but, yes. but it's it's a little more it's a little more in depth than just Christmas. It's kind of a has a military uh, theme to it too. So, uh, but anyway, I'll, I'll play it for you later on. And, All right. You know, hopefully, some of the folks will get to hear it. I think they're playing it some. So, absolutely. Would you say that it's more important in the music business to have a little bit of humility? Or is it more important to have confidence? Oh man! I, well, I'll tell you what. I've I've gotten to the point where I know when I first started this business, even when I had my first big hit record, I was scared to death, you know. Uh, and now, you know, I've I've overcome that. I've, I have confidence, but I've, I've I feel humility just because I'm so blessed to be able to do this, you know, and. Uh, and it, and I feel it really feels neat to to see people enjoy what you're doing, you know, mm-hmm. to think I can make people happy. Uh, that really feels great. So I've, uh, you know, I've I, I certainly uh, I've never had an arrogant attitude toward it. I mean, it's I'm, I always just be I feel like I'm blessed for being able to be able to do this, mm-hmm. and then. To get paid for what you love to do, it's kind of a little extra bonus too, you know. Yeah. So uh, I just I just love it. I just love it, and uh, I think the the humility part it's a big thing with me because I'm just so grateful. Uh, but yeah, I love it. Well, on that note, <clears throat> to who or to what do you feel you owe your talent? Well, I'm I'm a Christian. I think I get it all from God. I think, uh, and then I've had some, I've had some human influences too. You know, so yeah. uh, a lot of people I've heard. I, you know, nobody ever remembers some of these groups, but a group that I loved and kind of inspired me. They didn't, you know, I sang some of their songs way back, not for audiences even. But do you remember a group? And they're probably way before you time, the Hilltoppers. I that, don't know that one. They were most people don't. They were they were out of Google them sometime. They were out of Western Kentucky. They went to Western Kentucky University. These four guys. Uh, oh gosh, now I can't. One of them became a big orchestra leader, and I'm trying to I'm trying to think of his name, and I can't right now. But 
One of them was a quarterback of the Western Kentucky football team, and and they were just they were just really cool. And and boy, they had a they had a bunch of hits in the fifties. Uh, but Google them sometime. The Hilltoppers. I will. And uh, I I grew up. You know, I started off as a rock and roll singer, uh, pop rock and roll, and I was I was influenced by Elvis. Uh, but I loved growing up. I loved country music even before I heard of Elvis or anybody. I, I loved Webb Pierce, Farron Young, Hank Thompson. Uh, that was my that was my true love. And then I guess uh, people like Elvis turned my head a little bit, yeah. and uh, I started off uh, pop, rock, and roll, and uh, did that for a few years. And actually, I graduated back to country. I ended up in my career. I guess I recorded country for RCA for about ten years. So. Uh, but man, I just, I love music. I just love it all. And I, and I remember, you know, I've, uh, I heard some kind of, well, it's like my grandmother. She was a big metropolitan opera buff. Hmm. She couldn't stand country music until I started having hits with it. You know, it changed her mind. But, but I, I tell you, people, there are a lot of people that look down on, you know, twangy country music and, uh, they're missing the boat. They don't realize they are, but I've, I've gone into places, sit down and, and just listen to like primitive country bands. Maybe there might be three or four pieces of some little club. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, God, I love this. Yeah. It's just, there's something magic about it. And it, and, and it's easy to miss the magic. Yeah. Uh, you know, like you, you don't have to be, uh, highly literate or highly educated to, do something with that stuff. Not that I'm putting it down because there's some very intelligent people that, you know, have been big in country music. But, boy, some of that primitive country music, I just love it. Yeah. I can't I can't tell you why. It's, it's just it's just the way it hits me. There's a there's a group today. <clears throat> in fact, uh, the Malpas brothers. Are oh, you yeah. familiar with them? Yeah, I am. Well, well, one of the brothers, Chris. And uh, Conrad Fisher, a kid I've been working with, we just we just wrote a song together, and uh, they just recorded it. It's not out yet, but I got I got turned on to those guys. I mean, all they do is just conventional country music, you know. And I love them, you know. Yeah. And uh, they're you know they ain't gonna do any rock and roll, you know. They just, they're 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 true to their roots. Boy, they're from North Carolina. In fact. They're doing a show here in Columbia, Tennessee, a week from this Saturday. I'm going to go down and see them. I've never seen them live, but uh, really good guys. And boy, just they probably do 250 dates a year. I mean, they're, you know, they're everywhere. But boy, they just, you know, they stayed true to their country roots. Hmm. And if people hadn't heard them, check them out. The Malpas Brothers. Definitely. Well, we taped before this interview, the Bobby Wood interview, and this came up. We were talking about Hank Williams, and since you're talking about Roots and, and, you know, some of those songs, I'm hoping I could get just a little bit of your thoughts on Hank Williams. This is the centenary year, 100 years since his birth. Wow. Okay, let me tell you this. I'm, I'm a lot different. I love Hank Williams. I love his songs. When I first started out, I didn't like him at all. Yeah. I I can't tell you why. Uh it's like, 
It's like uh, I, I loved my three favorites, I guess, when I really got started, or four even, were like Webb Pierce, Hank Thompson, uh, Farron Young, and Carl Smith. And man, I just, I didn't like, I didn't like Hank Williams. Same way, uh, two other singers, you know, like really rock and roll and kind of folky pop, Bob Dylan and Rod Stewart. I couldn't stand those two guys when I first heard them. You know, like with Hank Williams, now I love all three of them. I guess I, I, I guess I had to, to grow into them. even a little bit with Frank Sinatra. I didn't like Frank Sinatra really? first, but but I love Frank Sinatra now. I love Jerry's records. So maybe it was a little bit of my maturing. I don't know. But yeah. but these guys, you know, to all four of them that I mentioned, I think they're great. And I'm thinking, what did I I must have missed something. Yeah. You know, when I first because I I completely missed them, you know. Hmm. But it's just like missing a hit song sometime, I guess. Uh, well, on that note, what makes a good song a good song? Oh wow! If I if I could tell you, if I knew the answer to it, I'd write a lot more hit songs. But <laughs> I think that I think the first thing is emotion. I think I think you've got to you've got to make a song has to make people they have to identify with it. It's got to make them laugh. It's got to make them cry. It's got to. Uh, it's got to affect them emotionally, I think. And, uh, I don't know, you know, I don't know how to do that except when I try to write, I, I really try to write. If, if I'm not writing about some real life situation that I was in or what, I'll try, I'll, I'll make up things just like I'm, say, maybe writing a script for a movie or something. I just try to, I've always been a romanticist hmm. and that makes it easy. And most of my hits, They've all been ballads uh, that I wrote, you know. But uh, I, just, I, I think the key word is emotion. You've got to affect people emotionally. And how do you do that? I don't know. Like, you know, like I was just telling you about uh, the George Strait song. Hmm. I didn't. That song didn't affect me emotionally until Ray Baker changed one chord <laughs> on that record. And I thought, wow. But it's just... Just a certain sound can make words hit you differently. Oh, it's it's hard to it's hard to explain. It's hard to explain. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I've you know I've written a lot of songs that maybe starting off you know, and I have to have a title to get started for me, or I write myself into a corner. <clears throat> but uh, you know, a lot of them I write a little while I just couldn't get anywhere with them, and and every once in a while, more something just comes out of there, I think it's a God thing. And it's like, you think, wow, where did that come from? You know? Hmm. And, uh, and when that happens, you know, that's the magic starts. Hmm. But, uh, to, to me, a song, it's, it's like, it's like doing a puzzle, trying to make all these little pieces fit. I always compared it to playing a game of Scrabble. Hmm. You ever play Scrabble? Certainly. Yeah. And you know, it's all, it's, uh, and I think, first of all, it's, it's got to be simple. There, there's a simplicity to it. And love is simple. Well, you can say love is very, you know, it can get crazy. But basically, real love, it, it's just simple. And I thought, you know, in Scrabble, it's those little two and three letter words where you really rack up. Yeah. If you get if you get too intellectual or try it's to get too 
uh, too much. It, the songs they just get too almost too clinical. You yeah. know, it's gotta it's gotta just be simple, right, and easy. Not where you have to think. Now, what what does that mean? You know what I mean? Right. But, and I never had that problem anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, what is the best thing about being Dicky Lee? Oh man, that's a. <laughs> I'm not sure there is any, is any best thing about being Dicky Lee. I'm just uh, I'm just enjoying my life. Like like I say, I'm I'm a Christian, and uh, that means I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, and that's that has made my life uh, just very simple and content. You know, I don't, uh, and I wasn't always this way. You know, like I was. I remember when I first got into this business, like. Boy, I'd live and die with a bullet. You know, man, one one week I was feeling awesome, and the next week I was feeling so far down. You know, you'd take you a year to pull me up out of a of a well or something. But I just and today, you know, it's like I don't worry about that. You know, I just I let things take care of themselves, and uh, I'm just content and I'm happy, hmm. no matter what's going on. So uh, I love and, that. And that was that's Christian growth. I mean, I've been a Christian since I was a teenager, but I wasn't living a Christian life for a long time. Mm. And, and my faith just grew. And when I put all my faith in him, uh, you know, I don't have any problems. And I'm sure, you know, like, you know, there are a lot of unbelievers out there, you know, and uh, they're, they're thinking, you're an idiot, you mm. know, and I'm thinking, no, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Now, does reading the Bible, does that ever inspire your songwriting? You know, not, not, I can't name a certain instance. I, I'm sure it probably has just my attitude, you know, because I, I read the Bible every day. Yeah. And, uh, it really, uh, I, I couldn't name you, I couldn't connect a song, uh, with my Bible reading, but, but I'm sure inadvertently. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's crept into some of the songs and some of my messages. And, you know, I, I wrote songs, you know, it's just like I've written, I've written some cheating songs that have been hits, you know, and like uh, that that's not my idea of, of the right lifestyle. And I, some of the songs I wrote, I wouldn't write today. Mm. But at the same time, I, I went through this. This is something that I really dealt with. And I, I talked to people and I said, well, is it wrong? Am I am I singing? I'm here. I'm I'm a believer, and I'm going out. And some of these songs I'm singing, you know, they're cheating songs. And I I finally came to the conclusion that, hey, there are slices of life. And a lot of times I'll tell people I wouldn't write this today, but this goes on today. Yeah. It's, it's part of life. So, uh, and I still enjoy singing them. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. So anyway, that's that's where I am right now with that. We could put all these different labels on you. Dickie Lee, singer, songwriter, recording artist, guitarist, performer. How would you define Dickie Lee? Who is Dickie Lee at heart? I think I'm, I think I'm just a friendly guy. You know, I've, I've got a lot of friends. I like everybody. And I'm just, uh, I just live life one day at a time. Uh, no matter what's going on. And like today, I'm, I'm 86 years old and I thought I'd be dead by now, but uh, I, I've been blessed with good health and uh, I worked out all my life. Uh, 
played ball in school and uh, probably been keep coming up with that 13 year deal, but I've probably been working out since I was 13 years old. And, and I'm sure, you know, that that's helped me uh, as far as my health is concerned. But uh, I just, I just enjoy living from day to day. And I, I don't, I don't do nearly as many shows as I used to do. I do, I do as many as I want to do. And today I don't have an agent. I don't have a booking agent. Uh, but I've got, there are quite a few promoters that I've gotten to know over the years. And, uh, I don't call anybody. They'll, every once in a while, they'll call me and say, Hey, would you like to do a show? So and so. And I'd say, Yeah, because I still love to do it. I'm, I, and like I say, since I've started doing this thing, me, just me and my guitar, I really, I really get a kick out of that. I'm yeah. really enjoying it and relating to, to my audiences. But, uh, I just, I just kind of sit around and, Sometimes they call me, sometimes they don't. But <laughs> I play about as much as I want to. Nice. Well, I always like to end the show. I just give the guest the microphone, so to speak. It's a very Uh-oh. open-ended <laughs> question. You could go anywhere. For, for whoever's <clears throat> tuned in, what would you say in closing? I would just say, I would just say, live life to its fullest uh you know just enjoy, enjoy life uh thank god put us here for a reason uh sometimes it's hard sometimes it's not but but when you if if you have the faith of christ the hard times aren't as bad there's there's a verse in the bible that i've just been really concentrating on the last few weeks and it's uh uh james first chapter two, three, and four verses, and it's like, uh, of course, I never can remember these verses when I try to, but but it's a philosophy, and it's like, uh, if you uh, consider consider all hardships a joy, you know, mm-hmm. uh, when you encounter tough things, just consider it joyful, and it'll create, it'll create endurance, uh, like you'll be able to endure it, and it'll help, it'll, it'll build your faith, and it'll be all you because, man, life is not easy, mm. and uh, it's uh, it has its ups and downs. But like I say, when I first started, I was going like this, you know, and so now I'm, you know, I'm just I'm just pretty much even keel. Mm. Uh, uh, try to love people, and uh, I I uh, I just try to kind of keep it even rather than going up and down. And boy, it's uh, really makes a difference in your life. Mm. So I guess I just I would say, you know, enjoy life. And if you don't know Jesus Christ, check him out. <laughs> Wonderful. And I want to say one more thing. Uh, thank you to Amanda Colleen Williams for putting us in touch because I had wanted to interview you for years and years. And then she said, what do you think about interviewing Dickie Lee? I, well, I, we, I think we've tried to get together once or twice, and just yeah. it never quite worked out. And she's a really sweet lady. Isn't she, though? Yeah. Big and her dad was a great guy. Kim Williams. Yeah. Yep. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you, Amanda, for <laughs> sure. All right. Well, Dickie Lee, thank you, sir. It's been a great pleasure. Same here, Paul. I've enjoyed it. Been wonderful. Thank you. You know, the Paul Leslie Hour is made possible by people like you. Listeners, viewers, please 
go to thepaulleslie.com slash support, and you'll know what to do when you're there. Thank you. Thank you, everyone who contributes. Performance of The Entertainer intro song by John Primerano. And of course, this is your announcer speaking. See you next time on the Paul Leslie Hour.